2: Alright everybody, it is Thursday, August 4th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and you will hear the show shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, I am Mike Heck. hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday, we are on the eve of the eve of UFC Vegas 59, or as AK, my best friend likes to say, the tough finale I believe this is yeah the Tough 30 finale, which it's not called that, but we will have a couple of tough champions crowned on Saturday. Card is interesting, pretty fun. I've already talked about this, and this is just me being a whiny baby. Uh, I hate the 10 p.m. Eastern start time for this card, especially for a six-fight main card. I just I'm just not a fan of it. This should be like a 4 p.m prelim 7 p.m eastern main card but again that's that's just me being a little whiner because i know there's a lot of you around the world who hear and see these complaints and you're like how dare you when we have to wake up at like 3 a.m to watch these cards so who the hell are you but we have a, a lot going on we have this card we just found out that The UFC is targeting a fight between Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier, which is not a big surprise to anybody right now. The only thing that is being really discussed because this is a fight. Both guys have agreed to from all understanding right now. The negotiating point is the date. I know Ariel Hawani reported that they're closing in on UFC 281 from the conversations I've had. That is what the UFC would like. Although that is not a hundred percent just yet. There are talks about maybe December. I know one party wants, wants it to happen in December, but I think all in all, I think we're probably we're past midfield on MSG. I would say we're probably on like the 25 yard line on it happening at MSG. But It might happen in December. Who knows? That's the only sort of contentious point of this whole thing. But expect that fight to happen before the end of the year, which is very exciting. And we'll talk about whatever else you want to talk about. A couple things, just programming notes. One, right around 1030, we will hear from one of the newest members of the UFC roster of the UFC welterweight division. Billy Goff, who had himself quite the showing on Tuesday on Dana White's Contender Series, he set the table for what, in my opinion, was the greatest Contender Series card of all time, coming off maybe the worst Contender Series card of all time the week prior. Billy Goff did the damn thing. This guy has, like, all the belts in New England. Cage Titans welterweight champion. He was the CES welterweight champion then jumped up a weight class less than a month later and became the CES middleweight champion. The guy is like all the belts in new England. And now he has to sort of relinquish those titles because he's a UFC fighter now. So I'm excited to talk to him. He should be jumping in around 10 30. Hopefully he is Twitter space savvy and we can get him right in here without any issue. And I'll talk to him and then, you know what, I'll, b- I'll bring some of you in to talk to him as well. If you would like to ask Billy Goff some questions, but Until then, let's hear from you. Let's hear from the peeps. Let's hear from Four Corner Sports to get us started. Hello. Are you there? All right, try again. One other thing you may have seen already on Twitter, if you're a fan of Between the Links, BTL, uh, we're going to roll at noon Eastern. So less than two hours from right now, we're going to go live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel for Between the Links. It's going to be Jed Mishu versus Damon Martin, a little MMA fighting versus MMA fighting battle. And the reason for that is Jorge Masvidal's uh, Icon FC promotion is coming to Savannah, Georgia, which is about 20 minutes outside of where I live. So I'm going to go over to the weigh-ins today, which are at 5 o'clock, and then I'm going to go to the card tomorrow as well. And it seems like, for the first time ever, we might have ourselves a Mike Heck-Jorge Masvidal interview, which I am very excited about. Uh, So that is why that is happening. We're we're calling it Audible, we're switching things around, and that is the reason why. So we're going to try to make that happen. It is being discussed. All positive conversations in making that happen. So stay tuned for that. Let's go to Sivaram. And then we'll go to Tristan. And then we'll go to whoever the hell else wants to talk before Mr. Goff gets here. Good morning. I'm good. How are you?
3: know
4: your opinion about the Poirier and Chandler, uh, who's going to win it? What's the probability? I think I'm going to lean towards with uh, Dustin. Uh, but Dustin has to, you know, he has to look out for the first round with Chandler, especially his explosiveness in first round. So if if he can weather that storm in first round, I think Dustin's is going to uh, win that fight. So what's your opinion
5: on that?
2: Thank you sir. That's a great fight man. Like I, that would be that's going to be one of those ones I'm going to have to think about until the fight actually happens. Like I'll make my pick on the people's pre-fight show or on the preview show whenever that fight happens. I would say right now I am leaning towards Chandler, but that could change. It's all going to I I will look at this from sort of a betting lines perspective cuz I think honestly it's a 50-50 fight and I'll probably lean with honestly, whoever the underdog is heading in. Cause when I have to make picks on 50, 50 fights, I tend to lean towards someone handing me $20 and I have to take that $20 and bet on somebody on a money line. And I'll probably go with whoever the underdog is, which I think will probably be Chandler that, that just trying to judge how that's all going to play out. But I think Chandler's wrestling all that. I think I mean, both those guys are super strong starters It'll be interesting what happens if that gets into the later rounds because we don't know if it's going to be a three-round fight or a five-round fight. That'll also sort of depend on things. So TBD, but right now I lean Chandler, but I could be I could be completely wrong. But that opinion may change dozens of times before that fight. Let's go to Tristan.
6: Hey, Mike. Hey, buddy. Hey, um... I want to talk about, um, just announce, I guess, um, Amanda Hibas versus Tracy Cortez. That's set for December 3rd, a UFC card. I'm I'm very puzzled and very confused about this matchup because I don't know why Amanda Hebas continues to um, stay at 125 and try to fight. I mean, to me, that's a mismatch for me because I think Tracy Cortez is much stronger. Not only that, your boyfriend is... Um, well, he won't be able to, you know, help her train because is of uh, up because of shoulder and Brian Ortega, but I I would think he was gonna obviously he's probably helping her to make sure that hey, watch out for this, watch out for that when you get on the ground when she's because obviously that's he boss um, expertise in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. But I just I don't understand why he boss is staying at one twenty five. I wish she goes back down the strawway where she was having much success and tried to build her way up back maybe to get a title shot. I mean, obviously, I would want to see her against, at some point, um, Mackenzie Dern, you know, and to see that matchup again. I, th- I think they fought already, but I would like to see it again or so. I just – and I don't know. They should just – I don't know why they just should match. you'll see just match up Tracy Cortez and Aaron Blanfield. I want to see that fight for the second time. They fought in Victor. I want the rematch to happen. I just I was very puzzled by this matchup. I mean, it's a long time from now. It's December 3rd. What's your thoughts about it? I, and I know you reported it with Steve Morocco, but just your thoughts about that matchup. Thanks, Mike.
2: Thanks, buddy.
6: I, I like it.
2: I actually like the matchup because we have to remember, Amanda Hibas fought Caitlyn Chukagin, who doesn't lose to anybody outside of Jess Gondraj and Valentina Shevchenko. And there are still people who I talk to regularly who felt Amanda Heba's beat Caitlin Chukagian and not, I mean, not only does Caitlin like win these fights, but like usually she, it's, it's, I mean, I know she wins by split decision a lot, but she usually wins by decision anyways. And oftentimes you come out of a Chukagian fight and you're like, all right, she won. Wasn't like the, the most compelling fight of all time, but she won. This was different. Hebas stepped up and gave one of the toughest fighters in this entire division some fits. And she had, she forced you, to work a little bit. So, and and, and if you're Hebas, you're probably looking at things from, because I think she's, I think she's could be ranked and have the same amount of success in either division, honestly. She's probably just looking at it as, okay, let's just stay active and fight and, take whatever we can get right now. And if she's looking at it from well, I want to go and fight for the title, the path at 125 is probably going to be quicker than 115. Like I know we have a lot of up and coming talent, but it's kind of a wide open field right now. There is nobody in line right now to fight Valentina Shevchenko. Now I know Man in is going to fight Chikagian in Abu Dhabi at UFC two eighty, which that card is absolutely ridiculous right now. But what if Caitlin wins that fight. I don't think they're gonna to go to that well. I just don't. And I know I know Crystal's here. And she's she's thinking to herself, Mike, no one's giving Tyler Santos any credit here. No one's talking about running this one back. How dare these people? But let me just say this Tyler Santos is a little banged up right now. Her eye is messed up. She's gonna be out for a while. So she's not really in play right now. But she I mean, she certainly in the discussion. She's probably going to have to win one more fight to get back there. And yeah, I mean, Flywitch is kind of wide open right now. Like, If Amanda bus just goes out there and absolutely trucks Tracy Cortez, which is saying a lot, she's probably a win away because she's very marketable and the UFC is going to try to put on the biggest fights in this division. Now, I have, said some, I have said on this show, and I'll say it again, there's another interesting player in this division that you don't know about that I have talked to You've not seen that interview yet. It is coming, and it might surprise you a little bit, but it is someone who could get up to that spot real quick and really shuffle things up at 125. I will say that. Hopefully, I could reveal that information next week. Still waiting for the green light, because you got to deal with sponsors and things like that, but uh, this division could get real interesting at the end of this year, maybe early next year, so stay tuned for that. Let's go to Bobby. Then we'll go to Kyle and then we'll go to Torino. Bobby, how are you? Bobby. Unmute.
6: Can you hear me now? There we go. Now I got you. Sorry What's up, buddy. That. I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on two matchups that came out this week. Um, AJB Key's going up to lightweight to fight Spock Carlisle. Do you think he's making a mistake? Staying with Bellsworth to fight the Spot Carlisles of the world. Then secondly, there was a report that uh, Dustin Jacoby's linked with Khalil Roundtree. Um, it's certainly a striker's delight. Not quite the Dominic Reyes matchup, but what do you think about that fight? You have a heck of a morning.
2: Thanks, buddy. I'll, I'll address the latter first. Listen, it's a great fight, and you're never going to hear me complain about Dustin Jacoby fighting Khalil Roundtree, but Dustin Jacoby probably deserved better here. No disrespect to Khalil Roundtree, because when Khalil Roundtree... Shows up and he's on. He's he's a nightmare, but I really wanted to see Dustin fight Dominic Reyes. I thought that fight makes made perfect sense because we're going to get answered. Like we're going to get answers to two very important questions. One is Dustin Jacoby a player, like a legit player in this division? Is he just a really fun guy that can hang in the bottom end of the top fifteen, or is Dustin Jacoby a guy who could not only compete in the top ten? or in the top five, could this guy fight for a title? Because there's questions. People are like, people want to know how good this guy is, and him fighting Dominic Reyes is perfect. And a loss to Reyes doesn't hurt him all that much because it kind of puts him in the same position he's in right now. And for Dominic Reyes, this is a perfect comeback fight against a guy who's streaking, who's real good, who's real tough. And if Dominic Reyes beats Dustin Jacoby, then it shows you that Dominic Reyes... Is not washed. He's still got some gas left in the tank. He's good to go. He can still take a punch. He can still take a kick. I feel like that was the perfect like comeback fight for Dominic. And it was a win-win. Because if Jacoby won, now you have some answers. You can move him up the division. And if Reyes won, that's a good confidence booster. And then he can move back up the rankings and maybe we have a nice little comeback story. Either way, we're going to have a great comeback story. Either it's a Dustin Jacoby comeback story continues on, Or the Dominic Reyes comeback story begins. And I loved that matchup. I thought it made all the sense in the world. But we still got Jacoby versus Roundtree. That's going to be super fun. They're going to beat the brakes off of each other. And we're all going to win. We're all going to win. The AJ McKee thing, kind of going back to the the last question and teasing things. uh, I did speak to AJ McKee yesterday. Hours after that announcement was made. (sighs) He was kind of all over the place. I think he's happy that he gets to move to 155. I think he's a little bummed that he wasn't even offered. Because here's the thing he wasn't even offered the Pitbull fight, which is what he told me. Pitbull fight wasn't even on the table, which is really interesting because the fight card is in Long Beach, which is where AJ McKee is from. It's his hometown. Why wouldn't you just book the title fight? in his hometown. You remember how insane it was in Inglewood, which is not far from long beach, the reaction, the excitement, the energy in the building. That was the best. That was like the best Bellator crowd ever for that card. Like the the main event was really good. It was compelling. The storyline was great. There were questions. The energy was off the charts. Then maybe the second fight, maybe rubbed people kind of the wrong way. It wasn't the most exciting fight of all time. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of shocked, especially considering Pipple's headlining against Adam Borge. I it's just it's kind of strange, but Asian McKee Spike Carl has a great fight. I think it's a perfect sort of test for McKee because he gets to be a little a little more wily in there, he gets to be a little looser, he gets to be a little more chaotic if he wants to be, because that's how Spike fights. And if AJ is going to have success at 155, I think Spike Carlisle is sort of the perfect test for him. And he also told me that he's walking around about 175, 180 right now. So it'll be interesting to see how his power translates. And I feel like Spike's actually the right opponent to sort of answer some of those questions because Spike's going to be in his face the whole time. And AJ is going to have the opportunity to prove whether or not that does translate at 155. So I like the booking, I like the matchup. It's interesting. I just feel having Pitbull on the same card is a little weird and not having them fight each other, but I'm not a matchmaker, so who the hell am I? All right, Kyle, Torino, James, and then we'll go to Nadine. Kyle, how are you?
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Of course, Billy Goff joining us in about fifteen minutes, so stay tuned for that. Kyle, are you there? Kyle. All right, try again. We'll get you in. I know you were there, but I hear nothing. I heard nothing but static. Let's go to Torino.
7: Trina, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you, sir? I'm all right, man. Excited. Thanks for hosting this space as usual, man. Uh, I just wanted to talk about, the, I don't know if we're talking about the Ultimate Fighter. I know that I think there wasn't a lot of hype about it this season, but I'm actually looking forward to it. I just wanted to get your take on the Ultimate Fighter. I know that Usman's brother, Mohamed, is fighting um, this, the, and also the, the, the flyweight female finals. And, um, yeah, I wanted to get your take on The Ultimate Fighter. What do you think about it generally? Do you think it's something that um, the UFC needs to look at? Because I really know that there was not a lot of um, hype about it this season. Also, the main event this weekend is super exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to Jamal Hill and um, Santos. So I just wanted to get your take really on The Ultimate Fighter because I enjoy it. But I don't know. I, I just didn't see a lot of um, hype about it this season.
2: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I've talked about tough on this program a few times. I understand the need for a show like this. I understand this is the opportunity to introduce some new talent and all of that. The problem is the show, the concept, all of it sucks. It sucks. It's not fun. The fights are cool, but we have the Contender Series. And if you're going to give me a choice between the Ultimate Fighter and the Contender Series... Guess what? You lose. Like Ultimate Fighter is going to lose every single time. The problem with the Ultimate Fighter is not the show. Like it's the concept is okay. It just is the same show it has been since the beginning. I remember watching the first season of Tough, and I it was chaotic. It was like the rules changed multiple times throughout the show. It's like nobody understood. It's not even like it's like the UFC didn't even understand like what they were doing, but it actually made it more fun. And it's the same show. It's the same show. Guys living in a house. Girls living in a house. They fight each other. There's like one or two bad eggs in there. Some drink too much. Some don't drink at all. Some try to prank others. Some try to prank the other people. Then they fight. Then there's an injury. Someone misses weight. Like there's some drama there. But we're still wearing the damn basketball jerseys. Like why are we still wearing the damn basketball jerseys? We're still doing the coach's challenge. Like, come on, man. Like, we got to like spread this out a little bit. We got to make this more interesting. It's just not interesting. I didn't watch one second and I watch everything. I watch regional fights all the time. I didn't watch one second of the Ultimate Fighter. I can't. I can't do it. I just can't. There's so much MMA and I just can't waste my time watching the Ultimate Fighter. Now, I will say I am familiar with a lot of these fighters even before they got on the show. Zach Poga, Muhammad Usman is a guy I've interviewed many times over the years. Juliana Miller is a very interesting cat. Brogan Walker is a good fighter. Cool. Like, I just wish we could do more with it. I don't like, I don't even know how to fix it. I don't even know how to fix it. Like, remember th- there was all this talk about doing Mazda and Colby coaching. Like even that wouldn't have helped it. Honestly, it just would probably made, would have made it worse. I will say I am, I am somewhat intrigued about the Tony Ferguson-Habib idea, having them as coaches. I would probably watch that. I would at least tune in and give it a chance. Just Nunez and Pena just didn't do it for me. No offense to them. They're just – I don't know. Just I, I, It's just not for me. There's something you could do there. I haven't put my finger on how to fix it, but there's something we could do to fix it and make it more compelling and make it more fun. And we just haven't found it because the same damn show it has been for 20 years. Let's go to Kyle. Let's see if we can get him in here. Kyle.
3: We got you. How are you? Hey, it connected to my truck across the other side of the yard over
4: here. That's why I couldn't uh, speak earlier, (laughs) but uh, I got a quick one for you. I was just wondering if you heard anything about the UFC coming back to Boston.
2: Good question. I would love to have an answer for you. Uh, I don't. I don't have one right now. Maybe we get a – I think from what I've heard now, I will say this because I know Ariel talked about it before and I've talked about it here. Next week's card was supposed to be in Boston. Not San Diego. It was supposed to be in Boston. It was all but done. When the fighters who are on the card were told about this card, were offered fights for this card, they were told it was going to happen in Boston. Then the Veracruz news came out, and it got shifted to San Diego. I like that it's in San Diego. It makes more sense that it's in San Diego. But Boston was the, was the location for this card. One, Well, it wasn't 100%, but 99.5%, it was a Boston card, and then it just suddenly switched. My gut, from conversations I have had, I don't know the 100% answer to this question. I would say somewhere in the first half of 2023, we will get a Boston card or uh, that's the plan, but nothing done yet. Uh, I would, I would say Boston will probably be back in play. From what I've heard, I wouldn't stun me if Chicago is back in play in 2023, but nothing is done. Nothing is set. No dates are set. But from what I understand, those two cities in particular, outside of where they usually go, those two are being discussed for 2023. I don't think we'll get a Boston card this year. It could be wrong. Maybe something pops up and there's a date open, but I think at this point, uh, maybe they do one more fight night card outside of the Apex, but I think the UFC is going to stick around the Apex for for the majority of the rest of these, unless they go international. But I don't think they'll go to Boston this year unless something crazy happens between now and the end of the year. But I'd say first half of 2023, there's a possibility. It's being talked about, I will say that. James,
8: let's bring you in. Hey what's up buddy what's hey, going um, on with a uh, dustin and chandler kind of targeted for november or december do you think we'll get a quote true on true co-main event for uh, the nate diaz card or do you think that card is probably going to be what it is and um do you think we might get three title fights for the new york new york card and i've seen rumors that they would like to do um the light heavyweight rematch there along with Izzy and Pereira. And I know with kind of the Asian market in New York, I kind of thought maybe they might try to do a a Carlos Barza and Wang. And um and Kamaru Usman, I know there's talks that he might go up to, to two oh five. Is this just Usman classic trolling us, kinda of like him a uh, boxing Carnelo? Just like to hear your thoughts on all that and Like always, Mike, thank you, and have a heck of a morning. Thanks, buddy. New York's interesting.
2: Three title fights, I don't think you need it, especially because part of the discussion right now for Poirier Chandler is that they want this to be a five-round fight. So I don't think you're going to do three title fights and then another five-round fight because that's just just a lot. That's just a lot of – that's just a lot. So I would say probably two – it wouldn't stun me if it's Izzy, Pereira, Yuri, Glover, too, in the main and co main. And then if you're going to do Chandler Corey in that card, five rounder, I don't think you need a third title fight. December will need title fights. Maybe that's where you do Carla Zhangwei Lee as a co main event or a third title fight. And then we just kind of wait and see how everything plays out. As far as 279 goes, I honestly have no clue what's going to be the co main event. I would guess, I mean, I, like I've said before, I think we're going to have some sort of wishy-wash, some mishmash, if you will, of welterweights in there. Like, if they did, if they did Wonderboy Kevin Holland on that card, like, I think that would be a fine co main event. That would work out just fine. And then, if something happens, you could do Wonderboy Diaz, you could do Wonderboy Shemaya, I mean, I don't want to see Wonderboy Shemaya, but you could do Holland Shemaya, you could do Holland Diaz, like, some of those I hate. Some of them aren't bad. But at least you have a backup plan in place. And I think Hall and Wonderboy makes sense. Both guys seem to want it. And, yeah. It's it's in play. I don't know. Where, like, I know Gilbert wants to fight Mazadal. I don't know if that happens in November. Maybe it does. I don't know. We'll see. But my guess will be some sort of welterweight fights in that spot. But... It's got to happen quick because we're, we're running out of time here. We're like just over a month away from that card happening. So we'll see. Again, that card doesn't need help because that main event's going to carry it. But I think you just need to have a co-main with some sort of backup in place in case something weird happens, which with those two guys, something weird could definitely happen.
9: Milo! Oh, Mike hello it's a heck, heck, hello. heck of a morning here how are you it is good <laughs> great great you know uh, i want to maybe address a couple of points here uh, you know I, I agree with you uh, about the tough right uh, A kind of being maybe uh, an, an outdated commodity you know because back in the days uh, uh, uh a tough was built on the concept of uh, jersey shore right like jersey shore was booming and there was a need for reality show and uh, and uh UFC thought it would be a good idea to, you know, to make a reality show, but with fighting, right? Uh, nowadays, it's kind of a dated concept, and I think it should graduate unless we're going to see something like uh, Khabib versus uh, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, and uh, I want to maybe address a situation with uh, what happened with the Dana White Contender Series after week one, you know, with the Bosman calling for more action, for more, you know, chaos uh, and... Uh, Earning the opportunity, you know, in a, in a, he said it in a very strong fashion. And I think, you know, I think it had a good, you know, t- effect in terms of the social media with having like a temporary, temporary surge, you know, then a white contender series trending. But I also feel like it had an adverse effect, which is not helpful to the MMA community in that we saw in the last uh, uh, UFC fight night where uh, we, uh, yeah, in, in the UFC card, where we saw, multiple stand-ups right like now uh, the referees are not giving the opportunities to work for the fighters to work on the ground there were stand-ups like from the half guard you know and I think that's kind of the you know that's one of the adverse effects that happens Uh, another one that happened is I think with the Marshall versus Matthew situation is that this fight should have been stopped and instead what we're seeing is that uh, you know the referee is giving more opportunities for the fighters you know to incur the damage which I think is not helpful for their health and I think it's not good uh, for the, you know, fighters uh, themselves and for the public. Because, you know, I've been watching the sport for, you know, over 20 years. And I remember the times when the commentators used to say that uh, fighter safety is a paramount, right? And now <clears throat> there's a call for more violence. And I think it's not, uh, and it's not good for the sport. You know, that's all the points that I have to say. And curious to see what you think about that as well. And uh, have a heck of a morning. Thanks, buddy.
2: Yeah, I mean i get it it's uh it's a fine line with the the stoppages and the refereeing and stuff like that because just remember all the controversy on saturday Derek lewis face plants that he pops up and the world is about to end because tan dan stepped in maybe too soon and everyone went bananas and you know maybe sometimes like like a lot of the referees they don't really answer to different things. Like I think Mark Goddard is like the gold standard when it comes to being an open book about refereeing because if there's something that's controversial that happens in his fights, he will always come online in some way, shape, or form to respond to it, to answer to it. If he makes a mistake, comes on Twitter and says, I made a mistake. If he missed something, he will be the first one to tell you that. Uh, and that doesn't happen all that often with, with a lot of these guys. And it's a tough spot to be in. I loved the card. There were certain points where fights could have been stopped. They went on, and referees got a lot of credit and a lot of praise for that. I agreed with everyone getting contracts. My one thing was, and I don't want this to seem like disrespectful because I thought the fight was great. I thought the performance was great. One thing the Contender Series hasn't done a lot of the last couple of years is they haven't done the developmental deals. I loved the developmental deals. They did it with Chase Hooper. They did it with Greg Hardy. They did it with William Knight and some others. And there's nothing wrong with getting a developmental deal. All they're saying is, hey, we want you to fight under contract for us, but we feel like you need a little more seasoning, want to make sure you are ready to go, When it is time to make that octagon debut. And I feel like Francis Marshall was like the perfect candidate for a developmental deal. He looked great. I'm not mad that he got a contract because good on him. He got a freaking contract. Like that was a great performance. Connor Matthews is a tough son of a bitch. And he went out there and he beat up Connor and won the fight. Like it was a great performance. But if we're going to do a developmental deal, I felt like Francis was the perfect guy because that's good for fight pass viewership as well. You throw him on a CES card, you throw him on an LFA card, Titan FC, wherever. And if Francis feels like I want to fight in the UFC, but maybe I'm not quite ready yet, he could fight Is like I remember talking to William Knight. Loved the developmental deal. He said that was the best thing that ever happened in his career because he could just go fight as much as he wanted. Like if the UFC, like he fights in the UFC and then has to wait five, six, seven months to fight, like that doesn't do him any favors. Like if he goes out and when fights in his debut and loses, like he's got to wait. He could potentially wait like seven, eight months to get back in there. When you have these developmental deals, you can fight as much as you want. William Knight loved it. He would go fight for CES and then he'd go fight for CFFC. And then he'd go back to CES and he would just fight as often as possible. And he loved it and it got him ready. And he got some wins in the UFC because of it. So good on Francis for getting the contract. If they developmental deal him, I wouldn't have have had any issue with that. Um, just because I think he's really good. I think he's really talented. He's a little raw, and I think a guy with that kind of talent, but with that rawness, give him a couple more wins on the regional scene, under contract, and there you go. But it was the, uh, I mean, as a contender series, as Mark myself, it was the best episode of the contender series I have ever seen. And one of the reasons for that was the man who kicked things off with a first-round stoppage, things were got a little hairy, but in classic Billy Goff style, he came back, he weathered the storm, and now he's a UFC welterweight. So let us say hello to one Billy Goff, who is kind enough to join us right now. Just go ahead and unmute yourself, Billy, and we are good to go. How are you, man? Good. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So newest member of the UFC welterweight roster, how does that all sound? Has it even
4: sort of sunk in yet? It is not, 48 hours or so later. It is not fully sunk in. It's still so weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like I, uh, I was just talking to my coach the other day. I could be in the video game soon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's that. Is is that crazy? Cause you may not even been thinking about that six months ago. No, I wasn't.
4: <laughs> it's so
2: weird. It's wild, man. Yeah. I mean, I remember probably like 2017, 2018, you were like just getting rolling as an amateur. And people kept telling me like, you got to watch out for this Billy Goff guy. You got to watch out for this Billy Goff guy. And I remember watching your amateur run. You were getting finishes. Um, I went to one of your fights. I think it was uh, the Steve Morrell fight. You went out and finished him in the second round. I'm like, all right, this dude's good. And then you kind of like, I-, I feel like you're one of the guys who really have paid your dues. Like a lot of guys, when they get the hype that you got, you suffer a loss, maybe two losses. You see guys just kind of catapult down, but you took that as fire, man, and you bounced back, and you were on this incredible tear right now. What did you take away from the two pro losses to, to Cameron, to Jonathan Pico, and what, what has sort of led to everything clicking for you the way that it is right now?
4: The biggest thing that I took away from those was uh, doing the right things outside of fighting to set myself up the best I can uh, in fighting. Uh, just pretty much dedicating myself more, like my more of my mental space. More, of um, like I was already dedicating so much, like all of like I was turning down jobs and only taking jobs that I could work while training. And but it's, I just had to take it even more serious than I was already. Um, and like I stopped being vegan because um, it just wasn't helping. I was I, I was a one fifty five er fighting at one seventy. The, so it was just I had to take it a lot more serious I had to get if I wanted to really do this and if I wanted to make a good run at it uh, I had to treat it like it was my number one priority
2: yeah what a run it has been I mean December 2020 you get the win in Bellator then you beat Sean Lally who's You know, a veteran in New England MMA, and then just this this run of winning. Like I said at the beginning of the show, all the belts. You're just winning all the belts in New England. You win the Cage Titans welterweight title, you win the CES welterweight title, and then less than a month later, later you win the CES middleweight title. What has this this run been like for you? Like just seeing what you've done since you know December 2020, winning all the New England titles, all the major titles, and now you're in the UFC. I mean, is this just a blur to you right now?
4: It is like it a lot of it is very much like just all smashed together just go 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 like it, it's just been so busy um, and like outside of fighting too like working uh, I bought I bought a house <laughs> so that was making even life even more busy so everything's just been go 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 and but it's been a lot of fun and I'm really grateful for it because it's it's opened up a lot of doors and now I'm even closer to my dream I'm in the UFC
2: so are you gonna are you gonna keep working outside of the octagon, or are we gonna or are we just gonna focus
4: hundred percent on fighting now? Um, once I set my, so I got to figure out because um, even though I'm in the UFC, the it doesn't pay enough to exactly quit my job. So once I figure out, I've got a couple of things I'm trying to figure out, so I can set myself up to do that. Like if I get some good sponsors, then yeah, I could definitely I want to quit my job and just train full-time. That's the goal.
2: What, what are you doing for work right now, outside of fighting, if you don't mind me asking?
4: No, um, so I work at Electric Boat. It's a company that builds submarines. I'm an electrical draftsman. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's fun. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> some, it, some jobs in it are fun, but my job isn't that fun, because it's just... Your it's jo- your it's job's mundane. <laughs> uh,
2: so... Yeah, that's, that's, that's funny, man. Let me, that, that fight with, with with Shema was absolutely insane on Tuesday. Like I said, it was a, it was sort of a classic Billy Goff fight where, you know, you had to maybe get hit a little bit and then you just like F this, here we go. And it was just a crazy fight, man. So like you're, you're in the the apex, you're in that building, you're making the walk. Did, did it feel different? Like, how would you describe, you know, just everything from, from the walk down there to, the craziness of the fight to the finish. How would you describe it?
4: The walk felt a little different, definitely, because the um, like standing back behind those doors before they opened and they're doing the live, uh, uh, they, they're doing the video and everything. That was weird. I felt different there beforehand, like warming up and everything. Didn't feel all that different. Um, being in the apex didn't feel that different. Uh, being in the cage didn't really feel too different, but that the walk definitely felt different. The 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 whole weekend leading up to it felt different too, uh, just because I was out in Vegas the whole time. So uh, it was it was cool though. It was I don't think it put too much pressure on me. Um, nothing that I noticed at least. But it it was it was definitely and then it all hit me afterwards. Afterwards it kind of all settled in like oh man, like yeah this is really seeing Dana White was weird. It's like I've seen you on TV for fucking years now. Sure. So, so, but it was cool. I enjoyed it.
2: Did you feel, like, 100% confident that you were getting a contract after that finish?
4: Yeah. I wasn't worried. Like, somebody asked me if I was, like, oh, seeing all the other good fights. Um, personally, I'm not going to name any names. I don't think all of them should have gotten the contract just because, um, like, I the some of them weren't. I wasn't as happy. Like, the... Uh, fuck. I'll say it anyways. The third, the which fight was it? It was no, the fourth fight. The guy he he knocked him out with a hook. Like all he was throwing was fucking wide hooks. Like the
2: flyaway fight.
4: Yeah, he was good. Like by no, like he was athletic. He had some swagger to him, so I get why they signed him. Um, he was exci- like he was exciting to watch. But man, he just threw hooks, like just big, open, wide hooks. And the, if the other dude knew how to th- throw a jab, or uh like, roll, roll his two into a uh, going southpaw, that would have changed the fight. I think the other kid was better. It just the other guy was had his number. Um, but it was a I, – yeah, I wasn't too worried about it. Because, um, I mean, worst-case scenario, I don't get – that's kind of – I was worried about not getting a contract going into this. I was like, oh, I got to have some flashy knockout. It's got to be some crazy fight. Uh, but that kind of settled down. I was like, worst-case scenario – I don't get the contract. I just take a short notice fight.
2: Yeah, I was wondering because I was wondering like what your mentality was heading in because the week prior, only one contract was given. Dana White gave the 2022 version of the, the do you want to be an effing fighter speech. So I was wondering and you were the first guy. You were the first guy getting in there for the first fight after that whole speech. we are like, you got to show me on Tuesday night. I don't care what you did the last five years. Tuesday nights, all that matters. Did you feel any extra pressure coming off that first week?
4: No, not at all. And like that, when he gave that speech prior, I don't know if you guys if you heard anything about it. But he get, Dana White gave a speech to all the fighters before the show started, um, talking about like you got to show up here and you got to go out there and you got to go for a finish, show that you want to be here and all this shit, shit. Um, and I just I don't care. Like I, you can say all that, I, it doesn't matter to me because I I show up to fight no matter what. I'm here to fight. I don't fight for you. I don't fight for anybody else. I fight. I just fight. So it's going to be the same every time.
2: There you go. So have you even thought about, because I mean, it it was a crazy fight. You were wearing it, wearing it a little bit. Have you thought about when you want to debut? Do you think we'll get in there before
4: the end of the year? What what are we thinking right now? Oh, absolutely. I wanted to get there. I was, uh, it sucks that I got suspended um, because I wanted to try to hop on the 20th card just to have a quick turnaround because that'd be cool. But now I'm suspended, so I can't. Uh, but, the, yeah, I'm, I definitely want to get on a card before the end of the year. So I just got to talk to my coaches, talk to uh, my manager, and we'll figure shit out.
2: There we go. Uh, are, are you, have you been eyeballing the division? Have you thought about, like, what kind of makes sense? I'm sure you don't give a shit who you're fighting. But uh, is there anybody that kind of sticks out to you where it's at least, like, I think this would just be a fun-ass fight. No disrespect. Let's just get in there and, and throw hands.
4: See, it's weird because I don't know exactly, like, the, like, I have to look for somebody outside, like, that's not ranked, obviously. Um, so I've got to go through and look at people, more people now. I've got to, like, s- s- scan the division more. Um, and so I don't I don't have any names right now. I don't know who I'd fight. Um but hopefully someone good I just Do
2: have a, got on a good show is there like is there like an, a quote-unquote i made it fight for you where you know like you're doing the right things like if i get matched up with this guy at some point like i know i'm doing it right Is there sort of like a, a, a i don't know if dream matchups what i'm looking for but it's just somebody that that stands out that's just like at someday at some point during my ufc career i gotta fight this
6: dude
4: I don't know. No, I don't. I don't have one of those yet because it's the division. Right. I mean, like I picked. I want to say like uh, Kamar Usman but Usman Usman's the champ. Everybody wants to fight him. So, and it's a re- little ridiculous since I haven't even fought in the UFC to say that. Um, yeah. But um, and it, things are constantly changing. He he's not gonna have the belt by the time I get there. Um, he'll he'll be retired. Uh, so I don't know. I I gotta just I gotta figure that figure that out.
2: Fair enough, man. Uh, so there are people waiting. Give a little hand emoji if you want to ask Billy a question. Um, see if we can get a couple people in here that want to ask the newest member of the welterweight division something. And if not, we will let you go, my man. And uh, all right, we'll, we'll bring Tristan in. He has a question. Uh, go ahead, Tristan. You got you got Billy Goff here.
6: Hey, okay, Billy. Um quick question um coming out of that fight you were like very disappointed kind of down on yourself because of the mistakes um what, the reason why you were saying that was that because you're like I you're like this can't happen once i start fighting the elite fighters of the UFC was that was that your thought process and the reason why probably the reason why you had said that
4: yeah absolutely that's exactly what it was like it's i can get away with this now but i can't i won't be able to get away with that when i'm fighting for the belt it does. It's not gonna. It's not gonna cut it. So if I want to be the best in the world, that that can't happen.
2: All right, Trino, you got a question for Billy? You got on mute, man.
7: Yeah. Uh, hi, Billy. Um, well done with the contract. Nice one. I'm really proud that you were able to get to the UFC. I I was looking forward to this um, round of Contender Series. After the first week of Dana White pulling out his hair, oh, Dana White doesn't have hair. You know, but you know what I mean. After the first. <laughs> How dare you, Trino? Don't be, don't be
2: making ball jokes, dude. Don't be making look, ball my, jokes. Continue. Look at my
7: picture. You, you know that I'm talking to myself also. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy, Continue on. Yeah, on, so Billy, what I wanted to ask you was of course, you're coming into the welterweight uh, class. What do you think about the division itself? You know, I know. My brother Kamaru Rusman is fighting. Um, Edwards August twentieth. Um, Kobe is there. You know. Um, you have the likes of um Gilbert Burns. What's your take generally on this uh, weight? Uh, this year on your new division? Yeah,
4: it's uh, it's stacked. It is a stacked division. Don't even go out because like you got guys like Wonder Boy who isn't even. They aren't even in the top five. Like it is a stacked division for sure. Um, the. Um, uh, like, I don't know which one, either, it's either the welterweight division or the 145 division on uh, which one's the stacked, like, which one's the most stacked, they're both tied. Um, now that I'm here, I, you could say it's 170. <laughs> there you go, good answer.
2: Oh, man, uh, Ahid's, Ahid's got the wave going on. Let's see, Ahid, you got you got takes, my man?
10: Yeah, Billy, amazing fight. I just wanted to ask you, you know, like right at the start of the fight, obviously, like uh, you know, it was starting a bit shaky with the head kick, and I wanted to ask, like, what was your like mental thought process during that time? Because fighters talk about heart all the time and fighting through it but obviously there's like has to be some thought behind it as well to keep yourself safe and i was just wondering like what was your thought process during that sequence to keep yourself safe so you could eventually end up landing the fight ending blows
4: the biggest thing was just listening to my coaches i i i try not to think as much like i try not to process everything uh not so much process everything but try not to like focus and analyze as much i try to just focus on what my coaches are hearing because uh what my coaches are saying because they they they're not rocked right now they can see from outside the cage so they've got the best view on it uh and i just try to listen to them that's honestly the what i try to do the most in those situations
2: all right we'll take uh, we'll take one more and then we'll let billy enjoy the rest of his day milo you got you got one for billy
9: uh, yes, hey, hey uh, congratulations on your performance, you know, uh, uh, a great fight. Uh, so, Thank yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm in the business of matchmaking, you know, I like matchmaking, and I, I'm just curious, what do you think about the prospects uh, of fighting somebody like, let's say, Blood Diamond, for instance? So, I,
4: I've heard of him, I have not watched him fight yet, so... Um, but I'd be willing to fight anybody, so... That's about all I can say because I don't, I don't know. I I know of him, but I don't, I haven't watched him fight yet.
2: There you go, Billy. Thank you, my man. Congratulations on the contract. Looking forward to seeing you in there uh, sometime before the end of the year. Great fight, great performance. This run you're on is is absolutely incredible. And uh, way to stand up for New England, my man. Way to put New England on the map even further. I appreciate you, the time and uh, congrats again, my man.
4: Hell yeah! Thank you for having me, man
2: all right there he is uh billy goff the newest member of the ufc welterweight division first time we've had like a live sort of planned interview on the show so we'll 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 figure out uh yeah that was good and thanks for everybody who who had questions as well we'll take a couple more calls and then we're gonna get out of here because i gotta get ready for btl which is gonna be happening early here nadim
3: you are up how are you i'm doing well my friend how are you this morning I'm good. good. Um, so I, just to kind of uh, go back on that take earlier with uh, Bellator um, and AJ, just because I love AJ. He's one of my favorite fighters in MMA. Um, I was thinking that they maybe didn't make that Pitbull fight because after that um, last one, I mean, he thought he won. and I mean, I thought he won. Um, he wanted to go up to 55. And, you know, may- maybe they thought, you know, he would beat Pitbull again and just relinquish that 45 belt. And that just probably doesn't look good and just complicates things for them. So they're just like, you know what, we'll just you know, have you go up to 55 and just you know, keep you here. But that's just my take, and I want to see what you thought on that. And also, what's your take on that Ashkar versus Rival fight? Um, I saw that announced, and I was super, super excited about that um, and wanted to kind of see what your take was on that, as well as on the main event. Cool. Okay.
2: Um, yeah, Royval askarov is a really interesting fight. I got to say, like, I didn't... I mean, I, I like it. It's interesting. It makes sense. It's probably the most sensible fight you can make from a matchmaking perspective for Royval. But, God, Royval's just, like, so fun. And, like, Askarov can be fun. But he's just... He's very technical. He's, he's a good fighter. And he's always not... He's not the most, like, reliable guy to, like, stop, put pen to paper and then show up that night. Like, things just... All he seemed to kind of have with Ascroft. But again, he's been pretty active as of late. And I like the fight. There's also a part of me that wanted the Manel cap fight for Brandon Royval. I just wanted to see that one. But I understood from like a rankings perspective. It didn't make a lot of sense. But I feel like at 125 in particular, you can almost throw the rankings out the window. Because like two wins and you're kind of in a great spot anyhow. But yeah, it's a, it's a good fight. It's very interesting. And I'm very fascinated by it, if we're being honest. Now, as far as the AJ thing goes, I go back to when Patricio dumped the belt. And I understand, like, why he he did that, because he wanted to give his brother an opportunity. But, like, wait. Wait a little bit. Like, you could have done... You could have just done the second fight at 155, and it would have made a lot of sense, given the chance... AJ the chance to win the second title. So I didn't understand, like, the thought process in that outside of, like, I just didn't get it. And let's just say he didn't do that. You could have still done this fight at 155. Would have been just as big of a deal. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Like, AJ told me that when win or lose, if Patricio beats Adam Boric or he doesn't, AJ is still open to dropping to 145 one more time uh, to, quote, whoop his ass. So even if there's a title in the line, title's not on the line. He wants that third fight with Patricio. He's willing to go back to 45 one last time to do it. And this is not like, this is not like 100%. It doesn't seem that way, at least from what I got from him. It's not like he's not, I, he's not coming out and saying, I'm 100% a lightweight fighter now. He's just saying, I'm going to give this a shot. We'll see how everything translates. We'll see how my power, my speed, my range. We'll see how it all translates. And I feel like Spike Carlisle is the absolute perfect opponent here for this debut because Spike is going to get hit and he's going to keep going. It's really tough to put that guy away. And I feel like we're going to see if that power translates. We're going to see if that speed translates. All that athleticism that he brought to the table, 145, now that he's filling out and he's getting a little bit older, reaching about to start his athletic prime, let's see how that translates. And if he can go out there and just bolt Spike Carlisle, then you have some answers. You have some answers. And I saw people giving AJ some crap about Spy- him fighting a non-ranked guy. Like, are you kidding me? Spike's a UFC vet. He's in crazy fights all the time. The guy's won five fights in a row. He's finished all five of them since he left the UFC. Like, I think this is a good fight. Like, this is a perfect fight for the 155 debut. we are you going to do, throw him in there with Usman or Magomedov? Like, that's like the dumbest thing in the world. Why would you do that now? Why would you either kill off AJ as a potential title challenger or kill off a surging prospect right now when it makes absolutely no sense. Let's give him a fight, get his feet wet against a tough dude, and in the Bellator rankings, let's be honest. Just go look at him. Just go look at him. That's all I need to say. take a few more here. Toke, Tobbs, we'll go back to Ahid because I know he wants to do his Ahid thing. And then uh, Brents, we'll go to you. Toke, what's up, buddy?
3: A quick question first, are you a glass half full guy or a glass half empty guy?
2: I think you know by now I'm a pretty positive dude.
3: <laughs> yeah, the setup for this is that I find myself to be kind of a glass half empty guy, at least when it comes to Robert, Roberto Soldage. because I feel like we are missing out on a bunch of good matchups with him because he went to one. Uh, I know we can do a lot of fun things him, with him in one, but it seems like, yeah, if he can get kickboxing titles and MMA titles and all that, but honestly, this seems like he would have done so many great things in the UFC and I'm just kind of bummed out. Can you kind of, with your positive glasses, can you kind of talk me into how this is a good thing for us?
2: Uh, well, I mean, to to be positive, he's going to fight people, and he's probably going to fight RDR at some point, which is awesome. So I'm excited for that. That's a that's a really compelling fight. Here's the thing, man, and and I've told you guys this from the second this show started because Soldech has been a very popular topic here. I just I would I said that I would have been stunned if he signed with the UFC, and the reason is having because I. I wasn't like, I don't have the contract in front of me. I don't have like the offer officially, but from what I understand, KSW offered Soldich like insane money, like ridiculous money. Like drop everything. You're not a free agent anymore kind of money. And the fact that one has signed him told me that they, they just don't give any Fs about money because they must've paid him a lot. Because the KSW offer, from what I understand, I didn't have like specific figures. It was a holy shit number. And to me, legacy mattered, but not as much as the bank account. Legacy don't pay the bills. Legacy don't retire you. Legacy doesn't buy you a vacation house or two vacation houses. It's probably now four sold each. And legacy matters, but it ain't paying the bills. So while we may not get, Sold each versus Vicente Luque or Usman or any of these fun matchups you could have got at 170. I don't think Sold just really cares at this point. I think he's going to dry those. Any any legacy talk, if he's sad about legacy, he could dry his tears with, with hundos, with those Ben Franklin's, those $100 bills. And I think that's the main thing for him, setting himself up for life. And that's it. That's it. There's no way. Like, when I heard the potential of this KSW offer – there was no, I, I felt like the UFC had no chance to sign him. I felt like the UFC just kind of fell to fourth on the old ranking system because I just don't, like, even if the UFC thought very highly of him, even, like, even at their best offer for a guy that's just coming in with a lot of hype, like, even if they offered him, like, what they offered Yuri Prahashka to come in, there's no chance they're coming close to what KSW was, from what I understood, had offered him. So I felt the UFC was out of it altogether. I felt like Bellator had a better chance of the UFC, but they were kind of out of it. PFL, I thought, was kind of in play because of the million-dollar price tag, but it ain't guaranteed money. And I just felt like one is – it's kind of weird to see it and say it out loud. But when you think about one and you think about some of the contracts they have out there, if I don't think Soldi's is just the highest-paid guy on the roster. But the guys who are the highest paid on the roster are making just – they're making FU money. And I think Soldich is probably on the – I don't know if he's on the Mount Rushmore of highest paid guys in one, but I bet he's in the top ten. I would say he's probably in the top five to seven at at worst. And that's a good chunk of change right there. So – yeah, we're a little disappointed as fans. We're not going to get some of these dream matches. But who knows? Like, Soldich is still a relatively... This might not be the final contract he ever signs. Maybe he'll just go in there and just run rough shot. Maybe he's just, like, got a couple of years there. Maybe the UFC will will bring him back. We'll, we'll give him another chance. 20, what, 27? He's 27. He's 27. He's got time. Maybe three years when he's, like, smack dab in the middle of the prime. We'll... Uh, Maybe Usman won't be on the table, but some other ones could be. Let's go to Tobbs. Smith, are you there? You got to unmute.
7: Oh, my bad. My bad, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. So I actually had a question for Billy, but I didn't come through but it's uh, so a fine 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 so um about UFC 280 I just wanted to know which match were you looking for the most
3: I mean
2: it's um hold on one second all right I'm back yeah yeah do multiple things at once it's easy to do um I mean, it's the main event. Clearly, it's got to be the main event. Love it. It's the most intriguing fight of the year, in my opinion. Oliveira versus Makachev. Like, this is the one, right? This is the one we've all been talking about. This is the one we've been looking forward to. This is the fight, right? This is this is the one. This is answer. This one's going to answer all the questions. So it's that one. I mean, the whole. I mean, good lord. Just go look at the card on paper. It's insanity. It's absolutely insane. And... Godly, I'm just looking at him. I'm a little mesmerized by this card because you got the two title fights. Muhammad Brady's interesting. Yad O'Malley's super fascinating. Dariush Gamrot's great. rodriguez Lamush is good. We got Chagin Euro Fior- Muhammad Mahayev's on this card. I mean, good Grief. This could be the best one of the year, so let's get excited for that. Let's get my friend Crystal in here, and then Ahid, you're going to close the show, my man. Crystal, how are you? Crystal? Are you there? Oh, we lost her. Maybe she, maybe that was an accident? I don't know. All right, Ahid, get after it, my man.
10: <laughs> what did i want to i wanted to talk about ferguson hooker right obviously there's been rumors of that fight happening and i wanted to know whether you think that is this last chance saloon for either one of them or is the second to last chance saloon like they lose this one more they're done retirement or cut because the thing is is this something that infuriates me about mma fans and media is they want a fighter's fighter they want someone that fights anytime any place anywhere and it's like, okay, but then you finally get that. Like Marlon Moraes for me, I, I want to cry for the dude. He has had the roughest time and everyone's just like, oh he's done this and that. And I'm just thinking Tony Ferguson, and Dan Hooker, have had the hardest schedule out of all the lightweights combined. It's so poor how this has all played out. So that's the first. And secondly, I just want to say I've changed my stance on fighter pay. I'm no longer supporting the lower level, like early prelims, prelims uh, people who are demanding higher pay mainly because of this you're not contributing that much to the company you know you could have gone elsewhere if you wanted to like bellator one you chose to come here because of the brand okay and because it opens up uh, more opportunities i know billy goff was here talking about how hard it is and i i respect that i'm sympathetic but even i'm sure he also knows like the ufc is different and i think that brand adds more value, hence the slightly lower pay. And people aren't going to like that because people go, going oh, no, how dare you fight a pay, fight a pay? No, but no, the fact is, early prelims, prelims, the, the fact is, there's people on the toilet that won't watch the fights because they're taking a break. So I, I feel like that's, I'm taking that stance with fight a pay. And that's all I've got for you today, Mike. Thanks, my man. Yeah. I mean,
2: your first topic's an interesting one. It's, I don't know, man. The Ferguson thing is just so interesting. If they if he fights Hooker, like I'm in for that fight. Like that fight makes sense. Like it's just a fun fight. It's just fun. Let's just get these two wily vets in there to throw hands and they're both in sort of similar spots. And I don't think either will get released. I think we're we're okay. I think we're okay if we book that one. Uh, and I, listen, I, I agree with the second part of your, your question as well. I look at the UFC as what the WWF was in the nineteen eighties. They WWF was they were the gold standard. They were like when you when you thought of wrestling, when you're like, "Oh, do you watch wrestling? Like, do you watch MMA? Do you watch UFC?" Like they think UFC is MMA and they think WWF was wrestling. That there weren't other promotions out there. But WWF never paid like they had big stars that made lots of money. Hulk Hogan, Warrior, etc. But just listening to old interviews and stuff, WWF would promise people Hey, we can't guarantee you this money. What we can guarantee you is an opportunity to get yourself over. And if you do, then you can make a lot of money. And that's kind of where they're at right now, where Billy just kind of said the same thing. Like most back in the day, back like five years ago, six years ago, before the company was sold, a lot of fighters would be under the like, wow, I made it to the UFC. Like I can quit my job and quit both my jobs. Like I can just be a fighter. But then we realized it just looks way different now, doesn't it? The company sold for $4.2 billion in 2016. At that point, that was the time for these fighters to come together and change everything. And they didn't they didn't do it. So now we're we're gonna be left having these conversations forever. And it stinks. It stinks because we all know this. Like all of us who watch the sport, we all understand that these fighters should be making more money. We all know this. But we have to be honest with ourselves when it comes to why now the UFC could just be like, you know what? We're, we're a great company and we're going to reward these guys and gals for putting their bodies on the line. When the fact of the matter is nothing has compelled them to do that in the first place. So why do it? They're making, I mean, they're just killing it right now. The UFC is killing it. They're making so much money and they had their own venue. Like they're crushing it. Why do they need to change anything? Cause no one's no one fought for that change when they had the chance to. So like, I, like, I hate to say this, but I almost, I kind of understand where is coming from at a certain point, because like, you can't blame him. Like you had your chance, you had your chance and it's a sport where, and Joe Lozon's talked about this for years. When fighters talk about pay, They talk about pay for themselves. They don't talk about it for everybody else. Because when you guys probably saw this a couple months ago where our union were ready to strike, we were ready to strike. It was everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't avoid it. Fox media was ready to strike all of our union members. And it wasn't because like, at least not for me, it had nothing to do with, well, I'm not making enough money. I'm not doing this. I'm not getting this. I'm very. I've been very happy with them, fighting. They've treated me great for in, in a number of ways. Not just, you know, not just in terms of like paying the pay and what it's done for my family and some of the other perks that have come along with it. But also, like they're letting me just do my thing. Like I put out an idea. Sometimes they have questions about it. Like this show, I threw this idea out there. They didn't really understand it at first and then I was like just let me try it and I think there's something here and because of you you guys proved me right which is great but the big reason for the talk about striking was for the lower level guys for the ones that come into the company they need to be making a livable wage and that's what they fought for it wasn't just for us it was for everybody especially for the for the entry-level employees that's what the whole thing was all about and I'm not breaking down the fourth wall here. Cause you just go down and you just look up Vox media union or Vox media strike and you could read the damn thing. So you could see it for yourself. But again, like I, the, the whole thing scared the hell out of me, but because of the camaraderie and what everybody wanted, we were willing to walk up. We were willing to walk away and the fighters didn't do that. They don't have that camaraderie. And that's why we're not going to, that's why nothing's going to change. It's just not gonna, and it sucks. But Again, there's a lot of people to blame. You can place it wherever you want. The UFC can be great people and just pay them more. They're not going to because they don't have to. What's compelling them to do that? There's no threat of the fighters just saying, you know what? We're just not going to fight that. We're out of here. It's not going to happen. And that's the, the world we live in, unfortunately. All right. Khan, you've been waiting for a minute. I'll go to you and then I got to get out of here. Darian. I will save you. You get to cut the line tomorrow, all right? I promise. Diggy, you're there.
5: Hi. Uh, I have a question about the 155 division. Uh, You see the ones at the top, they fight only each other, and when some prospects come, uh, like we have seen with Islam Makhachif, the only one who wanted to step up and fight him was uh, Dariush. And uh, after that, it didn't work out, but Daryush is now again fighting another prospect, which is maybe even harder without all the hype. And the other ones are complaining about Islam not uh, fighting a top five, but yet uh, they're still fighting each other, like now Chandler and uh, Pori and maybe Justin Gigi wouldn't fight Fazeev and wait for Kona, and then they have their spots uh, for them at the top. And yet, uh, how are we going to do with the new prospects? A lot of prospects at 155, uh, but yet we can't test them because the ones at the top, they don't want to fight each other but themselves.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a, it's, it's kind of an issue One fifty-five. 155. It's, 155 is the best division in the sport. It's the best division in the sport. It's not even close. It's not even close. And I was, I was one of the guys blowing, waving the flag for the Bantamweight division as, like, the deepest division. And it might still be the deepest division, but the best division, I mean, this is not even a conversation. 155 is the best division. It's not even close. 135 might be, like, the Celtics team that won the championship. They didn't win it because of the big three. They won it because of the bench. They won it because of Eddie House and Brian Scalabrini and those guys coming off the bench doing damage. That's why. The Tony Delks of the world. That's why they won the championship. I mean, the big three certainly helped. They were f- freaking awesome. But at the same token, it was the bench players. It was the depth of the Celtics that helped them win that championship. That's what Bantamweight is. They're very top heavy, but they're deep as hell. The top, like, you can make an argument that 16 through 40 at 135 could be rent in some way, form, or fashion. Like, you just, that's just how deep this division is. Uh, but 55 is just ridiculous. And it's going to be a tough go. Gamrod, I mean, Dariush is a gangster, man. The fact that he took this fight is just awesome. I, and it's, it's super interesting. It's a super interesting fight. But I also think that Dariush is going to be, and I don't know if this is official. No one's really, I have no insight on this whatsoever. But you got to believe Darius is probably the backup for the title fight as well. Like if something happens with Oliver or Makachev, Dariush is probably getting the hot tag and he's gonna go in and fight for the title. So he's probably been promised that he's the backup. There's probably some sort of thing in place where, like, if you go out there and win, you're the next guy. If Islam Makachev beats Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush beats Matush Gamrot, Dariush is gonna get the first title shot. No doubt about it. Now the one thing that could kill this plan altogether is if Charles Oliveira beats Islam Makachev, because I think we know collectively where this is going. And it's going to Ireland and it's going to Conor McGregor. You hate, you don't want, even if you don't want to admit it, even if you're shaking your head and rolling your eyes right now, you can't deny it. That's what's going to happen if Olivera wins. But Darius is still in a pretty interesting spot. And who knows? There's still some time between now and October. Something could happen. And guess who's getting that first phone call if something does happen? It is Vanille Darius. So, unfortunate situation, but still not in the worst place in the world. But 55 is just ridiculous. Fazeev Gaichi is a fight I have to see. I need to see that one. Throw that on MSG. Probably the December card I'm in. That could headline one of the fight night cards. That could be on the pay-per-view 100%. So sign me the hell up for that. It's just so loaded. And don't forget about Armand Sarukian because that guy is a terror. And he's going to be the champion. He's going to be the champion at some point. All right, I lied. I'm getting you in here, Darian. You've been patient. You've stuck around. You're up. Hey, Mike, uh, the Boston sweetheart. I
5: knew if I, if I stuck around long enough that uh,
2: you let me give it a go. But in, in, in a very uh, VH1 celebrity rehab kind of way, this uh, Costa
7: Rockhold is my most anticipated fight for the rest of the year. How do you see that going? I just saw him, I don't know, Twitter, Instagram the other day, and I'm like, can Rocco go up to two sixty five and fight John Jones next for his first fight? But w- what are you thinking about that fight? Because I don't know, I can't, I can't get enough of uh, the build up to that one,
2: dude. I mean, I'm with you. That wow, the VH1 Celebrity Rehab comparison is hilarious. Listen, it's it's one of those fights where like you've seen video footage of Bigfoot. There's a piece of you that believes in Bigfoot. You don't think Bigfoot exists, but he might. That's kind of what this fight is like to me. I it's one of those things where I just I'm not going to believe it until both guys are in the cage in the referee says fight. There's just there's just so many like unlucky things, so much weirdness that has happened between both of those guys that it's just one of those it's just one of those fights where I have to see it to believe it. But if, if both guys are in that cage and the ref says go, I'm intrigued. I, it, I'm i very curious to see what Rockhold looks like. It's been a long time since he's fought. Costa is who he is. But he looked damn good. Like, he lost to bar inventory, but he looked pretty damn good in that fight. That fight was awesome. And it's kind of an underrated classic, if you will. That fight deserves a little more praise. I hope it happens. I'd love to see it. I favor Paul Costa to win, but I just, I want to have, I want to believe in it. I want to believe that's going to happen. Glass half full, right, Toke? I want to believe it's going to happen, but it's just one of those ones where, especially these two guys, you look at their resume, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, or, you know, the, the damn cliche, the damn saying, I got it wrong, but that's it, everybody. Thank you all very much. I appreciate all of the calls. Big shout-out to Billy Goff for joining the program. And you're the best. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm going to give my voice a short break. And then top of the hour, we're going live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel, BTL, some MMA fighting, infighting. Jed Mishu, Damon Martin, getting after it. The takes will be spicy. It'll be delightful. And... Then I'm going to head on over to Savannah uh, for the weigh-ins for Icon FC4, Jorge Mazdal's promotion, and hopefully uh, we get a one-on-one between Boston Mike and Jorge Gamebred Mazdal. But until then, everybody, thank you very much. Have a great rest of the day. We'll see you at noon for BTL, and have a heck of a morning.
3: Fox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings
0: Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when
1: you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.